0: We strive. <laughs> it's fun. And you think, don't you deserve something, but you don't? I am here to help change the fitness industry. So I basically lived in a cave for 60 days. Over 420 pounds to the lightest I got was 209. Bill McCullough, the Vice President of Creative for uh, the NFL.
1: Entrepreneurs are selfish at the best of times.
0: How far can my talent take me? Prepare to be inspired. Five, five four, four, three, four, three, two, two one. Two, three, two, one zero brian 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 what what can i say what can i not say this dude this dude isn't human uh he he literally is just grinding all day every single day he he and he somehow i don't want to say it's impossible to get a meeting with him because you can get meetings with him but he just has meetings the entire day that there's never not a time where he has a meeting He runs an accelerator here in Santa Monica, an accelerator that I was a part of. Found out mid-interview that had I been in the next uh, round of accelerators, I would have gotten funding from them. So that kind of sucks for me, but whatever. But uh, yeah, he basically runs Santa Monica Entrepreneurship and runs a lot of West LA and LA entrepreneurship. He is connected with investors all over the world. He's constantly bringing in new talent, new investment, new people to work for him, new people to work around him. And just a really great guy at the end of the day. I mean, because, you know, you can be the biggest businessman on the planet and then you can still be a dick. So, I mean, just remember that, uh, yeah, just a great guy and absolutely dominates the startup world. I'm excited for you guys to meet Brian McMahon.
1: Hi, it's Brian McMahon here from Expert Dojo. We are a startup accelerator here in Santa Monica, which means we take in early stage companies, put investment into them, training into them, effort into them. A few prayers and then hope that those companies turn out to be the phenomenal successes of the future.
0: Absolutely. And so I'll start off here with uh, what made you move to the US and the LA area? you are you from originally? I'm and Irish. i Irish, yeah. Uh,
1: I left Ireland 20 odd years ago and I have been traveling ever since. So I was always going to get to LA at some stage. I've lived in 42 42 countries. 42 uh, what? Yeah, a lot of countries and and, and just to stack more cities, If I, I never even added the cities up. Yeah. And had been in the US for the last 15 years, I've lived in Boston, lived in uh, Chicago, lived in New York, I've lived in San Diego and Dallas and Houston and Austin and a bunch of other places. So, you know, LA is a great place. Santa Monica is an even better place. We're right by the sea. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and this today is the center of the tech universe.
0: Absolutely. No, it's definitely. Uh, I mean, I moved here about almost two years ago, and I can see, even just in the last almost two years, how much it's grown for entrepreneurship um, and and tech and all that. And I mean, you see Silicon Beach just booming every single day. And I actually just moved into Playa Vista, so I'm seeing it right around me. Um, yeah. So was the transition difficult moving into the U.S.? You moved so often; it was kind of just whatever for you, or it, it was whatever. You
1: know, I I, uh, I love New York. It's my New York is my favorite place in the world. Um, because everybody's so direct. And, and, and it's funny, actually, if you go around the States and you look at how, di- how different Dallas is from New York and how different New York is from California or Los Angeles, almost the transition around the U.S. is more difficult than the transition from outside the U.S. to yeah. the U.S. But it was, it, you know,
0: very easy for me. Um, U.S. is great. It's my home. So how did you begin your journey with entrepreneurship and business? I mean, is that something you've, as a kid, you were selling candy bars? Or, I mean, I, I don't know how that, how did that transition kind of start for you? Yeah, I did the usual, you know, sold some
1: cans of coke on the beach. Everybody needs their story of when they were a 12 year old. Um, but the real, the, I suppose the real dive into entrepreneurship was um, was, was development of, of houses. And anyone can do that. Like I I found a property over in the UK, you know, we flipped it. I um, lived in it during that period and then made some money and I said, okay, cool, now I can get two properties And then, you know, turn those over. And this was over a period of 10 years. Like, there was a recession in the middle and good Mm. and bad times. And the only rule of property is very similar to the rule of business. As long as you have the cash flow to continue, Mm. then you will not only survive, but you'll do great. And then we went from two houses to four to eight to ten and then had so many places. And then that just provided a really good cash flow for everything going forward.
0: I'm so jealous. I've always wanted to flip houses, but I literally, like, can't build stuff with my hands. I'm so, like, I just... I can't draw, I can't build, I don't know. Um, so that's awesome, I, I always wish I could do that. Uh,
1: so- I can't either,
0: by the way. Oh, okay, you just- No,
1: you just have to have, It's look, it's no different than startup. If you see a great product which has A really good opportunity to be able to make money. Then it's the same as a house. Like you see a house, you know the area. You look at the area. You see the people in the area. You see what people are paying for houses. You look at what needs to be done, and then exactly the same as in startup. Like you, you fill your skill gaps. Yeah. So in startup, like I may not be great at marketing, but that's fine. I hire somebody at marketing. I I may not be great at dev. dev, It's the same with the house. Exactly the same.
0: People have told me that before that you can kind of hire freelancers to do certain things, but I just feel like I literally couldn't do anything, so I ended up just ha- the whole house would be a freelance project, so. which is the
1: best. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that,
0: yeah. that way, if you learn how to
1: outsource properly in life, absolutely, uh, or partner properly, or share, or whatever way you want to phrase it, then you just get twenty times more done.
0: So, why do you like working with startups? I mean, obviously, we're here in um, well, up wasn't obvious people listening, but we're here in Santa Monica, uh, beautiful. What's called the Santa Monica Mall is their name for the promenade. What is it called? Uh, th- I think it's
1: Santa Monica Place. So Santa Monica Place is the mall in Santa Monica. It's an open-air mall. We get uh, like 362 days of sunshine, so it's beautiful here all of the time. Not this year. <laughs> not this year. We <laughs> this get rain, but even when we get rain, it's not real rain. Yeah, like exactly. It's raining really hard outside, but you can still wear a t-shirt. Yeah, You're wearing exactly. a t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. like, it's not, yeah. This is not winter. Yeah. There's no winter. There's no rain. There's not anything. Like It's beautiful here. So you know we're we're in a very fortunate place. Uh, we're right by the beach, and we're right in the epicenter of startup in the world. look i I believe that anyone who is a startup is absolutely privileged because they get to leave a legacy behind. They get to actually create something that makes a difference in the world. I understand there are other priorities for other people and we call them job holders Um, and those priorities are like you know, maybe they've got to take care of their family, maybe they've got to make sure they get enough money coming in. I respect all those things but I do believe that they really lose out. Mm -hmm. They lose out on being able to take that one really important thing that we bring to the world that can show why we existed in the first place and actually letting it loose. And startups don't miss out. Startups get to get their passion, their idea, what they love. They get to bring it to market. They get to watch it. They get to watch their baby turn into something that would never have existed if they hadn't existed in the world.
0: And it's just a beautiful thing to be a part of. Yeah, it's so incredible. And do you feel like you run a startup as well, even though you're helping startups? Of course. Startups? We're I mean- a startup helping startups. Exactly yeah, right. Absolutely. Like we're
1: an accelerator. We put money into startups, but we're three years old. We learn every single day, every startup who comes through. I learned something. I learned something about marketing, learned something about you know staff, team, function, brand, product fit, investment, and um, our most importantly, people. And what our physical and our mental capabilities actually are, but yeah, we're 100% a startup. And if we do this properly, then we'll stay a startup forever. Yeah, Unfortunately, absolutely. that probably won't happen, but um, but I would like it
0: to. So how's the how's the program going? I was in the program in summer of 2017 when I first moved here, so about well, about almost two years ago. Um, yeah, how's the program going? Have you gotten a lot more startups? Have you? I know you guys were kind of switching to online, or have you done that completely? Or so when you came through at the start, we didn't have an accelerator, so we didn't have
1: mm-hmm. money to invest in companies. If we did, we would have invested in your company. I should have moved here a few months later. <laughs> but no, it's just it's everything in life is timing. Everything yeah. has got a specific sequence it has to follow so that when we get to a place that we're doing these things, we're actually able to do them properly. Mm-hmm. So at that time, it was pure training, like my passion was to try and fill the skill gaps of entrepreneurs so that we could help make sure that they they understood how to brand, understood how to product fit. A lot of the stuff that you've already built into your app Mm -hmm. most people don't know. You know, yeah. They don't know about human-centric design or about how the user experience is almost more important than the product itself mm-hmm. for how the user actually engages with you. So you know we've been learning. Like At the beginning, I think we had some good content, I'll say good, and I would say we had some good access to investors, mm-hmm. I probably had about 50 or 60 investors that we knew, of which maybe 20 were semi-investors or yeah. pretend investors and 30 were, were good investors. Today, we have 300, 400, 500 investors. That's awesome. Yeah, and we have investments that we put into companies. So we're, we have some stake in those companies, which means mm-hmm. that we got skin in the game. It doesn't necessarily mean we try harder, but we certainly sleep less.
0: I think, I think it's know? really important, um, maybe not even specifically as an accelerator, but for example, my development team has a small portion of equity. I just think it's important that if you're contributing to a company and if you're kind of a part of their process, I think it's important that you have some sort of skin in the game so that I mean, you're, yeah, like you For said, sure. like you're not gonna come hundred percent specialize them over someone else, but it definitely does make you care, you know, a little, a little bit more. Yeah, you succeed. want people bought into it. I, yeah. it. It doesn't mean that they won't get, in, they won't get
1: encouraged by the things. But I, I absolutely believe investing shares. You know, our team members here in the dojo all have Mm -hmm. vesting shares in the dojo so Mm -hmm. they are not all do actually I'm sorry the the ones who've been around for a while do and then the ones who are currently are slightly newer my intention is to make sure that those people do as well you want people to care Uh, you want them to care first of all for the passion of the project, if they don't care about that, ugh, you can give them shares till you know the cows come home, and it won't make a difference. Yeah. And then, second, if they're making a difference, actively making a difference, then you want to have a vesting share schedule whereby, over a period of time, people are actually growing ownership of your company. Then, you know, nobody will ever.
0: Well, maybe they, maybe one or two people will leave you, but you'll keep a strong team together. So, can you break down the vesting share <clears throat> share concept for an example for people listening? Because I personally made the mistake really early on about three years ago of bringing on a lot of people and not vesting them and then I just I don't I haven't talked to them in years and I really and it's they've kind of been diluted a little bit but it's something I really regret something I'm really working on but if I go back in time I would have just never started there so could you explain a little bit to people listening like how to go about a vesting share process or how you guys do it here at the dojo
1: yeah so you only get shares for one of two things one is investment if somebody gives you investment, then you give a valuation of the company. Let's say a company is valued at $10 million. Let's say they give you $1 million of investment. You give them 10% of your company, right? And then that, that's all. And then it'll be a dilutable 10%. So as you alluded to, whereas the company gets further investment in the future, then that 10% will continue to slightly reduce. But if the company sells for $100 million, then everybody's going to be very happy yeah. uh, when, when and everything's laid out. The second way that people can get shares in a company is if they are either working or consulting or advising or helping that company. Now, sometimes we can get bedazzled by these people. Mm -hmm. So maybe an advisor comes in who worked on the original Facebook team, is the greatest marketing person that's ever existed, did really well on Facebook and is in a really strong position, and we say, oh, would you come on and be an advisor and I'll give you 1%? And then they turn up in the first board meeting, and after that, crickets. Yeah, absolutely. Because they don't have to do anything else. What's a better way to work with someone like that is to say, look, I really want to have you as an advisor. I want to have you here for the long term. I want to make sure that over a three-year period, we give these shares to you. Maybe at the beginning, we would create a a cliff and the cliff would say that they get nothing for six months or three months. And then assuming that we can make sure they're okay, then after three months, then we'd vest it.
0: So we get interrupted about 10 times here because Brian's incredibly busy. So we'll uh, go on a quick pause and then hop right back into it. So, what, uh, what, so you moved to LA, so all these accelerators go on around the world, and it's kind of a good time to get started with um, maybe even your own accelerator, and obviously getting to this point was such a hard, long road. But what made you originally want to start your own accelerator here in Santa Monica?
1: So I think some people do think of an idea, and that idea is the end result, and it looks exactly, but it's a small minority of people. The majority of people approach problems like I do. Mm. We just see something which is so massive and so huge that we wonder why other people haven't noticed that it's a problem. So for me, that massive and that huge was the failure rate of early stage entrepreneurs in Santa Monica. So I looked at the failure rate, and pr- probably everywhere, right? But, but for here, it's just very, very clear and defined. Yeah. And about 97, 98% of all entrepreneurs are gonna fail. So when you have that backdrop, you know that you've got this massive problem. You think, okay, what can I do to fix it? Now, I didn't know the answer to that. So I created a mentorship organization, which was purely to have startups speaking to investors and get feedback on how they can grow their business and get stronger. Now, that was as much for me as it was for the startups to try and work out How do we actually fix the problem that's there? Then I created this location, which was only a laboratory at the start. We put about 100 startups in, we studied them, we watched them, and we learned. Mm -hmm. We didn't offer them any services except for the space. We didn't offer any help. Kind of like a WeWork
0: kind of thing? Well,
1: no, because WeWork is just space, right? We didn't care about the space. So WeWork charged for the space. Their principal product is space. Mm -hmm. The other stuff is is kind of just fluffy things around it, but it's the space. For me, we didn't charge anything. Oh, you just- nobody paid anything. I just wanted to study startups. It was this first six-month period. Yeah. I wanted startups to come through the dojo, and I wanted to understand the problem. I, my, my, my dad had this great phrase he used to say, which is, "Seek to be to understand before being understood." Right? Yeah. And it's a huge thing within problems. A lot of the times we see a problem, we're like, oh, dude, I can fix that. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to just sort that out. Well, we don't really know that, right? Mm-hmm. We have an idea, and sometimes that idea to fix it is the biggest problem itself because we're going to go down a wrong road. Yeah. So I wanted to really make sure we understood what the problem was. We brought 100 startups in and we just studied them and we watched them and we learned. Yeah. And we learned a few things. We learned that startups didn't really understand. Uh, brand and the importance of brand. Uh, We understood, we found that startups were going for investment way too fast rather than trying to build something strong and then have proof of concept before they actually went for the investment. Uh, We worked out that, that startups didn't build strong foundations within their business so as they grew, everything crumbled underneath that. And I have like two or three companies which I have that problem with right now and we found out that influence level wasn't high enough, business development wasn't a strong enough focus, community wasn't being used to grow the business, um, and just a bunch of other things that we thought, great, now we can build a curriculum around that. And then we went from being a mentorship organization to a laboratory from startups to a training organization. And then when we started doing the training, which was when we got together and um, we went through our stuff, like all that training was really fresh. We brought in really strong coaches, really good people, and we started bringing concepts which we believed could help. Mm -hmm. What then happened was, as we became more visible in the local market, we started to have a lot of people coming to us and saying, we really want to raise investment, and they were ready. Mm-hmm. So we built, we built our Venture Studio, and our Venture Studio was to bring companies in, take a very small percentage, like 2% normally, and then we would work with those people in perpetuity for free. Yeah. But we'd help them raise investment and everything else. And only then, nine months later, did we form a partnership with our limited partner right now who put a couple of million bucks into the dojo and said I want you to invest in early stage companies. Okay. So yes, today we're an accelerator, but that journey was impossible to see three and a half years ago.
0: And so, two questions, so one, when you started, did you have was it, was it here when you first started? Uh-huh. So how did you afford to pay for this place for six months was that just out of your own pocket? Did you take out a loan? And I like, did a great deal. Like, I paid very little for this. You have to negotiate great deals. When you're an
1: entrepreneur, you're a startup, you have to understand your limitations and you have to also work on the basis. You've only got two jobs. Yeah. One job is to make sure that you do not die today. It's <laughs> okay. the only job. And I don't mean physically, yeah. I mean your job is to make sure that your company does not die today. Yeah. And the second job is to make sure that the brand of your company is amplified to the community, right? But the first job is the most important one. Mm-hmm. So if I know that I only have X amount of money to bring me through a six-month period, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to make sure my expenses align with that X amount of money. And those expenses, whether it be you know the cost of a place here, whether it be staff costs, whether it be marketing costs, you do
0: what you got to do, mm-hmm. but you cannot die today. Okay. So did you say someone paid you to do it or you paid a little bit to get this place? Oh, I paid a little bit to get this place. Oh, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Have you, have you, wh- what do you get your funding from? Do you take a salary from like, uh, investment that come in or how did Do you that- take a salary? I mean, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> None of us take salaries. Yeah. Look, we're growing something beautiful. We don't, we don't live in the world of the normal folk who go into a job Mm. that they hate and work for somebody that they despise and then do a two-hour journey back to a place that they're not even looking forward to going to. Like I'm not saying it's everyone, but we're different. We're not better, but we're just very different. Our world is all about creation and it's all about aspiring to achieve goals, which we don't know are possible because Mm. we only just made the goals up 15 minutes later. So there are no salaries. Mm. There is no anything. Mm. There's just about... Growth to get to a certain point. So your growth, I'm sure, is to build a company which is fifty, hundred million dollars worth, maybe more. But yeah, like minimum, that's minimum. yeah, that's but that's a place where yeah, absolutely. you can you can get a very good acquisition and live the rest of your life mm-hmm. the way other people will never be able to live. Absolutely, it's no different for me as an accelerator. Mm-hmm. We want to have enough companies in here that have enough of a success rate mm-hmm. that we never have to worry about money again. Yeah. so we don't piss around with things like salaries on the road to getting that achieved.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. And I was just talking to someone last night, actually. I was I was kind of bitching about how, like, I'm driving for Uber right now to help before we get our next funding round. And, um, I mean, I'm waiting tables at the weekends, and I, I never go out to the bars. So I can't pay for anything. And It's just so. I want well, to clarify, I definitely do go out to the bars. I didn't mean to say that. I mean, like, I just never, I might buy a drink at the bars, but I can't remember the last time that I went out and bought, like, you know, more, more than a couple of drinks and spent more than, like, 20 bucks. 25 bucks um, I just have to be super frugal with my company and with all with all my money. So um, well, I shouldn't say all because I don't have a lot, but yeah, just trying to be frugal. So yeah, definitely if anyone listening, especially if you watch my Snap and Instagram stories, obviously I go out to the bars, but uh, I'm not really buying drinks. Um, and then he was like, well, I got to be up at 4.30 tomorrow morning and then go to my investment bank and get yelled at until 5 p.m. and then come home and do the same thing again. And I was just like, you know what? I would much rather... <laughs> be driving <Yeah>. for Uber <laughs> mate so. look it's tough
1: I have to say, like nothing in life is easy. There are no easy roads, right? Mm. The the they're just they're just different difficult roads. Yeah. Our road is an extremely difficult road. Like most people going through, I've been in so many situations where startups and people I've been around like cannot afford to pay their mortgage that particular month. I've been in situations where people can't afford to eat. They haven't eaten in two three days because yeah. they don't have it. Like the stuff we put our through ourselves through is is extreme, mm. and on some levels. It's the worst because it's on us, right? And we can't share There's nothing that we can do. But we at least know underneath all of it, we're building something phenomenal. Like we're building something that would never existed if we hadn't been there. It's a little bit like a single parent, I suppose, bringing up a child in a place of poverty, but you love your kids so much that you think it's worth it for what I'm creating, this amazing thing. Mm -hmm. Well, if you work in a job, chances are at some stage in your career, you're going to work for somebody who's 20 years younger than you that you hate. Yeah. And, and that person at some stage, like when you're 50 or 60 or 65, you're going to arrive in at 8.32 in the morning and you're going to be brought into their office and they're going to talk to you about your commitment to yeah. the job, yeah. right? So it's just bullshit. Yeah. It's, just, it's not the same as startup, but it is, a, it is a, uh, just a cruelty it's a cruelty that takes. I think the job system just takes the school system and says, "Hey, you know what? That whole bullying and manipulation and abuse thing works awesomely well. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just take it into the job world to make sure for the next thirty years
0: yeah. you got it through?" <laughs> like at least we don't have to deal with that shit. Yeah. No, I, to- I totally agree. And um, oh damn, I had a good point. I can't even remember what I was gonna say. I'm gonna ask a new question and then I'll come back to what I was gonna say. Um. So do you have any future plans for, like? Oh, actually, no. I got it. So two things here. Uh, one, my lisp is so bad. I'm like successful exit th- coming right up. I say that it's pretty awesome. And then also, uh, what an exit is is for just to give you an example. Uh, so, Facebook purchased Instagram for like over a billion dollars, whatever it was. But so Facebook bought Instagram, aka Instagram had a successful exit of their company where they were able to sell for a profit and you know the the funding goes to the founders and it goes to the the shareholders and all that stuff so like with my app our goal is to eventually years down the road have someone purchase we Drive and the we Drive app and the brand and everything and then you know our our shareholders will get paid back so that's what an exit is um, have you had any companies so far that have had successful exits or are on the way getting there? Because I know some awesome companies have come through here. So. Yeah, mate, we're,
1: we're definitely on the way. Look, a normal, um, I, I'll tell you some, some inside info on accelerators. Most of them fail. Mm -hmm. And most accelerators fail because it takes seven to ten years to actually get a company to exit. It's It's a general time, right? And we take them super early, like an accelerator will take people when they're right at the very beginning, so they've got to go through all the phases. So imagine you're investing $100,000 a month, imagine your costs are about $100,000 a month, and then imagine you've got to wait seven years, right? So just like 15 or 16 million bucks, it's a lot of money before you get your first bit of revenue through from the startups. Accelerators do all kinds of weird and wonderful things from taking money back from the money they invest and all kinds of strange stuff to try and make models work, but it's a sucky model. Mm-hmm. So we decided to come in on a model where we have a hybrid between a venture studio and then an Accelerator. So we take slightly later stage companies and the earlier stages one. The entrepreneurs we take in are all beasts, yeah. they're animals. They, they are disrupting an area which desperately needs it. We've got, you know, solving food insecurity. Know, in I mean, solving it. I don't mean like making a dent, solving it. We've got the entertainment of the future. We have um, you know, festivals of the future. We've got cars of the future, all those stuff. But the, the point is this. like, We've only been doing the accelerator for a year, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So technically, I should say to you, we probably won't have an exit for six, seven years. However, I think actually two of our companies are going to exit either this year or next year. Mm -hmm. Already. So I think our first two will go through. And my my biggest statistic, my biggest measurement for us though, is not going to be the exits because I feel great about the exits. We got one company going public, another company looking like it's going to be acquired. I want that of the 100 companies that we have equity stakes in, in Expert Dojo, I want at least. 35 of those companies to have exit successes and it could be a one-time success, right? It doesn't have to be a 50 million dollar company a hundred million dollar company, but that's our measurement. Yeah, we want to have 35 successes of our group of 100 companies, Mm -hmm. which is unheard of in the space that we're in
0: No, I mean that'd be incredible and it definitely a long road ahead of you, but I mean that would be such an incredible thing to have that many people. And obviously, it'd be really beneficial for the accelerator itself. I mean, you, you guys would be doing pretty well. Maybe you could last thirty years doing that if you got all those yeah. extra revenues. But
1: also, we change a we change a dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. We change a ninety-seven or ninety-eight percent failure rate
0: yeah. to
1: a you know a thirty-five percent success rate, mm-hmm. where possibly the successes are less. But who cares? Yeah. I mean, if I exit for a six million dollar exit, I can live pretty well on that for <laughs> yeah, a couple you're of years. not mad. Yeah. I'm not mad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, we want to redefine like what success looks like.
0: Um, have, have you thought about expanding the dojo into outside of the startup world into other revenue or to other avenues, um, or maybe different? Locations for the dojo. So I would
1: never expand outside the startup world because I would suck at it. Like who the hell? I can't work in a job. I can't work with people who do jobs. It's just not my world anymore. I would be no good at it. I would be fired. I would. You know what? If I worked for me, I would fire me first. I'd call me in first thing in the morning and say, Brian, you know what? It's not working. (laughs) We got to talk about this. Um, But expanding into other locations, yes, we're launching an Israeli accelerator in June this year. Okay. Uh, We're going to bring over uh, ten companies from Israel. That's we're awesome. going to invest hundred thousand dollars into
0: each of the companies. And well, you're going to bring them to the U.S. Yeah. Okay. So, gotcha, gotcha. So they're going to be they're going to be here in Santa Monica yep. too. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So I, I was going to ask if you've replaced or like, re- duplicated yourself and put them over in Israel. So we're okay, going gotcha. to bring them over here. We're going gotcha.
1: over there. We're going to find the companies. We love the Israeli model. We love the Israeli entrepreneurs. We think they're beasts. They build really great stuff that everywhere needs. So, yeah, we're going to find 10 companies. We're going to make them, like, massive.
0: That's awesome. Well, there you go. Um, so what, are, what is the best advice you have for an entrepreneur just getting going, just starting off? Like, what is the number one thing? If they have an idea, what do they do the next day? I'd say
1: one of the things I see, so there's just a lot. Right, so it's, it's hard, things, it's hard, to, it's hard yeah. to put in one thing. And um, one of the things I notice with a lot of entrepreneurs is they don't really know the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. And the rules of the game are incredibly important because much of what we do is a Ponzi scheme. So we look <laughs> at Silicon Valley. You know, it's about you know you invest money in on the basis that George will invest money in, and then the money that's invested in seventy percent are spent on Facebook ads to grow users so that Jimmy can invest in, and then you just build a company in many ways artificially up. Mm-hmm. To a level of, of incompetency, but by that stage it's okay because it's already gone IPO yeah. or it's gone public and that's why most of these tech companies that we see expand, they don't make any revenue they say they don't make any profit, they don't make any EBITDA. there's not even a measurement to make any kind of profitability at all right so', so it's, it's, it's a problem. people have to understand that space. Um, I, I will say, and it's not even so much a plug, I just want people to know it. We did our podcast, The Art of Startup War, so people started, can hear. I started listening to it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you listen to what the investors say and mm-hmm. the startups say, you just, you understand. You just yeah. get, you just, uh, that's all it is, is you want to understand. It's not a quick way to invest when it's not, you may get lucky, but it's not really. It's about, you mm. need to understand this game before you go into this game. And I'm talking specifically about technology startups. Like, if you're starting up a shop, it's okay. You don't need to do that. But you probably need to find out where your common ground is and what everybody else is doing. But in technology business, if you don't do it, you're absolutely dead. And then after that, just build a phenomenal experience. Mm. And so what I'm saying is I don't say... Build a great product. I'm not saying work really hard. I'm not even saying you know do business development. All of those things are important. I'm saying build the most incredible human-centric experience that has ever existed for your potential customers. And as soon as you put it to your customers, you react to how they react to it and then you build a better human-centric experience and then so on and so on. I don't subscribe to the lean startup way, which is just build some bullshit and then you know see what people think and then build other bullshit. Yeah. I mean, you build beautiful at the beginning, yeah, and then you just make it more beautiful in every
0: iteration. Or maybe not
1: be- build beautiful, but
0: build the best beautiful you can make. Because yeah, my, totally. my first beautiful was not beautiful. You're right. No, you're right. It's a better. <laughs> no, but, that's it's a, a good correction. Yeah, was,
1: build the best beautiful that you can build at that yeah, time. Because
0: yeah. I was I had an ugly beautiful, but it was my beautiful. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's all about the customer. So what, what's a typical day like for you? I know, like, I mean, I'm coming in here for a podcast. You're talking to other people. You've this thing going on. I mean, what is a... What is the day for you? What time are you waking up? When are you going to bed? What are you doing throughout the day? So I
1: wake up at four thirty. I will uh, oh, nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. and I love waking up at four thirty. Genuine. I mean I love waking up. I'd rather stay in bed. But I but I but when I wake up at four thirty, yeah. I have no animosity to the day. I've just I look at the things that need to be done and I'm like, awesome, let's get at it. And um, I'll go downstairs, I'll clear my emails, I'll normally have about sixty or seventy emails. I don't like to have emails outstanding when I get into the day. Mm-hmm. And then I'll arrive in here at the dojo, I'll normally have the first two or three Hours will be calls, mm-hmm. I'll follow up with startups that we got things going on with, or follow up with investors that we're working with, um, and make sure that like everything that needs to be done is done. Normally by ten thirty, I'm behind, and then normally, and then after that, I will have at least um, like this Monday past, I did eight hours of
0: podcasts, mm-hmm. which was you know, Wait, you did like you you recorded your own or like you were I record hours. We
1: just do hours once every two months. We do eight hours, oh, do nice. eight hours of podcasts in one day, and um, but my normal day would have about. Eight hours of meetings between you know ten o'clock and six o'clock. Mm-hmm. Then six o'clock, um, I would normally have an event over here. There'd be something going on, or I'm speaking, or I'm at a pitch event. Um, so yeah, I, I would regularly do you know sixteen, seventeen hour days. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. So are you a typical entrepreneur, where like if you're not, if you don't have something scheduled, you're kind of just like bored out of your mind?
1: I always have something scheduled. Though. Yeah. I haven't not had something scheduled on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday.
0: In maybe three years it's so crazy yeah like the whole like you don't even have a Sunday where like you have like a couple of hours to relax at home. honestly
1: I don't even want it yeah I don't even want it like I so I got my boy and my boy mm-hmm. loves this stuff as well so I just engage him with it I get him mm-hmm. he's involved he's engaged he's everything
0: how old but is he the one he's 12 he's gonna be he's gonna be a beast in the startup world he's
1: gonna be lucky right because he gets he gets he gets um access to this type of thing but yeah I love it like if you love stuff it's good like it doesn't mean I won't play tennis but even if I play tennis a lot of it's aligned with other people in the startup world I'm either playing with startups or I'm playing with investors against startups so Mm -hmm. our our, like tonight I'll finish at about 9.30 or 10 and I'll still go for a run you know Mm -hmm. down the gym later on so yeah you got to do what you love
0: that's be, awesome. Be what
1: you what you are.
0: Do you do you still have enough family time? You feel like, or would you like more? Or, I mean, I don't
1: know. Look, entrepreneurs are selfish at the best of times. Like, <laughs> do we make the best husbands in the world or wives? I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: I'm not about that. Um, I do bring my my little fella to school in the mornings, and I do pick him up most days from school. Mm-hmm. So I make that a routine. Um, I spend you know as much time with him as I can. Uh, try and do the same thing with my wife, but yeah, I mean, am I do I fail on occasion? Yeah, sure. But I love this. And, and like you yeah. should, people in a family should want to be around other people who love what they do. Too many people in the world are just miserable. <laughs> Very true. Miserable but punctual. That's a good quote. That's a right? good
0: quote. Yeah, that's a good quote. No, and like my, my girlfriend says the same thing all the time I'm always working on the app. And like we were talking about earlier, I mean, it, it, it does suck as she's not in the startup world. So she doesn't understand that I'm putting in all these work. I'm Ubering. I'm working on the app. I'm waiting tables. And then I also don't have any money. So it's hard for her to see that, like, how am I working so much? And She, then could, I have... do, she could do so much better. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. <laughs> it's like some people just don't understand, like, why I would work so hard or why you would work so hard. And then if we did something else, we could make yeah. a lot more money. Because it's not that. normal. It's like saying, yeah. you know,
1: people don't understand why somebody's taking crack cocaine. Yeah. Like, you know, because it's stupid from the outside, but that poor guy is stuck in it like they're addicts. Yeah, We're exactly. addicts for yeah. what we do. It doesn't make us... You know, it doesn't make us good people or bad people or anything. It just means that we're really, really seriously in the moment
0: Absolutely. for
1: in our, in our lives. And and if we're not surrounded by people who <laughs> can adapt to it, it's really hard for them. Yeah, it's tough. I I I listen, I'm a bad example. I don't have a prescription. And that that actually ties in a lot to what we were just talking about with people. Um, but you can't yeah. ever settle. That, that's my only prescription. Is no yeah. matter what, you can't ever settle. Like yeah. You can't you can't give it all up to take that one thing mm-hmm. just to keep that other person happy. Because what will happen is you'll just be bloody miserable. You can do it for a short period, right? Yeah. Like working for Uber that shows character and it shows that you're prepared to do what you're supposed to do. You know, waiting tables, that's all that kind of stuff. But these are just things that help you succeed in what you've mm-hmm. chosen to do. Like you've got to go all out in what you have chosen to do and just never settle. And yeah. then the people around you, you know, will will just, they'll understand, I suppose, maybe.
0: Yeah, and I was, I was thinking the other day, I was like, I don't want to be, you know, 10 years from now sitting in a bar looking at some awesome app and just telling the guy next to me, like, you know, I had an app one time and it was going to be really cool and everything. I just, you know, so I couldn't, yeah totally agree. Yeah. But um, by,
1: by the way, by the same token, hmm. you have to know how to stop. It oh no, yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, yeah, there is a <laughs> yeah, stopping. I, I read point. this I read this article about this guy who like was creating a, a shoe that made people run faster and he'd been working on it for 25 years <laughs> and just and it was a really good shoe and he kept winning prizes and bits and pieces but he never ever broke through. Yeah. And now he's 50 something and he's looking at his shoe, which is this bionic shoe, and he's got nothing. Yeah. So you know, you just have to be careful. You have to give yourself timelines of achievements that need to be done.
0: Maybe you're 20, call it quits, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you stay so focused um, with so much, all these things going on? In the community with for for, next, for Dojo, for Santa Monica, for you. You're always doing things like we just talked about. How do you stay so laser focused on on, on every day for all the days for the last three years? How do you do that? So
1: I agenda I agenda eyes everything. So I put. Every single meeting I have is always I share everything, use use um Gmail for the team. So we all know what's where. Mm-hmm. Um I, I pre I check my weeks at the beginning at the start of the week to make sure I'm not in trouble with something if I double book, which I do often. Mm-hmm. Then I make sure I let all those people know like three or four days in advance. And uh, we were supposed to do this last week, remember, and then I had mm-hmm. double booking and we um and we just fixed it. Yeah. So I I like to just get and I do the same every day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'll write down all the things I'll write down, I like, put it on a word doc, which is probably not the best thing we're going to use monday.com but, um, just, but yeah, 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 yeah. monday.com is awesome But I, so I have for me I know what's coming I know what I have to do that day I have it all in there I have my stuff with my urge am I less urgent am I not to do and then day 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 and then I have my stuff in for March and I have my stuff in for April mm-hmm. and I just know and if somebody says hey Brian could you do this I'll put it in there Yeah, and I'll put it in there at a time that I feel that I can achieve it and then I'll move on to the next day mm-hmm. and I will never ever 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 finish a weekend with a single email in my inbox.
0: That's awesome. Ever. Yeah. It stresses me out to have emails that I haven't read. Yeah. I know I delete them. Oh. Nothing's in my inbox. Nothing. Wait, you delete it if you haven't read it yet? No, I read them, I read them, them. I reply them, I delete them.
1: Read them, reply them, delete them. I'm like, so I get rid of all the bullshit spam and everything at the start, but then all the things that need to be gone through, yeah, just get
0: rid of them. Clean, ready for the next day. That's awesome. Um, So what is it like working with all these? huge investors around the world. I mean, you you guys have flown people in, right? And you've done all these things. I mean, what is it like having some of the biggest investors in the world? All here in the accelerator that you created with startups that you brought in and you're connecting the two parties. Like, what is that? No, what it's is awesome. Yeah. It's awesome because, look, nobody's. Sometimes
1: um, the investors get this rock star status, which they don't deserve. They're really just glorified CPAs, right? They just give money. It's yeah. the startup that should get the rock star status. But the investors have created the system that enables an entire culture to go through. So uh, it's just great. I mean, look, for me, I don't really care about people. I don't really care about what they've done. What I care about is what we can achieve today using the common skills that we have. So if I have an investor in a room and I can put a startup with that investor, and then we get a term sheet. Mm -hmm.
0: So just so everyone knows, a term sheet by Google definition is a non-binding agreement setting forth the basic terms and conditions under which an investment will be made. So basically, in the startup world, a venture capitalist, VC, or an angel, whatever, will come to you and they'll want to invest money into you. So they're going to give you a term sheet basically saying, like, we're going to invest this much money at this amount, or it's going to be a loan, or it's going to be this, this, and this. So basically, a term sheet will, in essence, describe the terms of the investment they want to make. It's not official. There's no, like, actual, you know, money being transferred over, but... It really does just break down the terms of the potential investment you're about to make.
1: So yeah. if I have an investor in a room and I can put a startup with that investor and then we get a term sheet mm-hmm. where we've raised money, then that's all I want. Then um, I'm happy. Before
0: that, yeah, don't care. How many How many companies have raised funding through Expert Dojo, whether it's you investing you know, or a external investor coming through investing for well, you guys? Well, I
1: can tell you, we have 20 three companies in our cohort and of the 23 companies in our cohort we've raised money for 14 of those companies. That's awesome. And six of those were direct investments from us and eight of those were were investments that we directly got from other people. Now that's just our cohort. Outside there are I'm sure there's 20 or 30 investments that Mm -hmm. I know have come from investor festivals or people have met people here or connections that have been made. But yeah within our cohort at least that and probably more actually.
0: Yeah, and I feel like maybe a lot of indirect investments, too, just from the experience that they learned here, they were yeah. able to take that elsewhere and get investments. So, well, this has all been all awesome. Do you have anything you want to wanna to leave anyone with? Or no, just is- everybody should leave their job,
1: and they should, they should have <laughs> enough money that they can make sure that they've got 18 months' runway to do it. Or you should keep your job. And then you should start a business. But what you shouldn't do is just settle for your entire life and just do a job and stick in it and be in there for 20 and 30 years and get out. Like, Explore a little. Let your creativity bring something beautiful to the world. That's all.
0: That's good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that last quote for my intro for the podcast. That's perfect. <laughs> all right, thank you, Brian. It's a wrap. Um. Seriously, thank you all so much for listening. I couldn't be happier with how the podcast has gone so far. I've met some incredible people through this process, had some great interviews, and I just want to thank you for listening. Honestly, um, if you could leave a great review, that'd be awesome. If you could subscribe, that'd be even better. You know, we, we want you uh, listening in every single week. We're going to have episodes every single Monday and Wednesday. I already have a giant episode bank so that no matter what happens, something is always getting published. And, uh, you know, if you want to leave a comment, just let me know what you want to see in the podcast, if you want me to interview different people, ask different questions, maybe have a different theme. I I really don't know. I'm kind of new to this. So yeah, thank you so much for listening and have an awesome day. We strive.